Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Len App and Peter Armstrong with me. Len and Peter are co-founders of Dashcube. Dashcube is a software product. I'm going to start over. <laughs> Sorry. No, I know. I, I do that myself. <laughs> I'm going to start over. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. This is George Massarish with Success Harbor, and I have Lan App and Peter Armstrong with me. Lan and Peter are co-founders of Dashcube. Dashcube is a software product to support distributed teams by combining planning and communications. In the following interview, we want to cover a wide range of topics from getting the idea to building and marketing Dashcube. Welcome. Hi. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you for being here, uh, uh, Lan and Peter. Can you talk about... Um, your business background, what you were doing prior to starting Dashcube? I'm sure. So um, just very quickly, um, I, this is Len Epp here. I wrote a doctorate in English literature in England at the University of Oxford and then worked as an investment banker for a couple of years um, where I learned quite a bit about corporate finance. Um, and then I moved to Canada, where I'm originally from, and co-founded a nonprofit, which was an attempt to crowdfund um, a major literary prize. And then I connected with my old high school friend, Peter Armstrong, and I worked with him for a couple of years on another project, and then we, I started full-time on Dashcube. Okay, and for me, Peter here, um, so I did, I was a Silicon Valley software developer for about a decade, and then I con- created a consulting company uh, back in 2007, and through some of the consulting work, uh, we met um, met up with Chris, uh, who's the third founder of Dashcube, and just evolved the idea in, re- in response to like just sort of skunkworks research we've been doing. So my business background was I, I, I basically founded my consulting company in 2007 and I'd been a software developer for a decade and I'd co-founded something called LeanPub back in 2010. So, yeah. So are you involved with uh, those businesses, Peter, still? <laughs> yeah, it's complicated, but yes. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the partners. How did the three of you meet and decide to to uh, to take a stab at Dashcube? So this is a funny story. So um, I'd recruited Len in to help me with the Reboss stuff um, back in the days of when we were doing LeanPub um, exclusively in 2010 and some, some of the consulting. And um, people that that Chris worked with uh, discovered me through uh, the first book I wrote called Flexible Rails, which was about how to unify Adobe Flex and Ruby on Rails. Back in, I was writing this back in 2006, 2007. And so they found me through that and found um, my Ruboss co-founder, Scott Patton, through a book he'd written and realized, oh, they work together. And so then we started sort of just being a sort of skunkworks team for them, just coming up with like things we were working on, trying to figure out, like, Basically, how to improve um, our interests to be aligned. Like they're, they've been thinking about how do teams, how do teams work, how to, how to like. And Chris, Chris's background was he was doing research. He, he and his father um, had been doing research in human capital development for decades, and so they, they were coming at this from the angle of human capital development and organizational productivity. And I've been thinking a lot about productivity and collaboration, and so it was really a great fit. And so Dashcube emerged from that, you know, from that combination. So how did you decide on Dashcube and what, what, what was missing uh, from the market that Dashcube is, is, is meeting or, or, or solving? Um, one of the, 
most profound things that we're trying to solve is what we see as the perpetuation of a, a bad practice in um, planning and communicating at work, which is separating the planning from the communication. This is partly a relic of a time when it wasn't possible to combine planning and communication, but now we can do that. And what I mean when I say that is um, that uh, if you are going to go to the effort of planning your work, like using a, a, pro, a software program to make like a Gantt chart or even something as simple as a task list, you should also be communicating about those pieces of work in the same place where you've created that structure. So essentially what we think is a big mistake is to say, create a structured um, place for your work and then go away from it and communicate about all those things elsewhere. So one thing that happens is if you have a task list with, you know, assigning tasks to people and then filling it in with details about what they need to do, the real work they're going to go off and do is going to involve a lot of communication. And that usually is done in things like email. Um, and so what happens is that the actual work gets separated from the structure of the work that you're doing. And then the communicating part is where all of the sort of real decisions are made. And the planning tool is something that you just then go and update if you remember to. And as a consequence, no one really trusts the planning tool and it becomes extra work about work. And I think right. Peter has something. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to that effect, right, we all have too much email, right? And why do we have too much email? Um, and the interesting reason is that if I email you about something, that information is there and it's current when I sent it, right? And so you can trust it. So wherever you do your communicating inherently becomes the place where you manage everything you're doing. Whatever your primary communication channel is, is where you really do your work. And so that is why you either run your projects by email or else there's tools like Slack, say, that want to be the, the chat room where you guys communicate there. But if you have other things like Trello or Asana or Basecamp where you're doing your planning, unless you're using those tools as your primary communication tool, which is not common, you're not, those are going to be inherently outdated and inherently not trustworthy. And then you have, you are stuck being the sort of mediator or bridge between wherever you're communicating or where you're planning and you've got your model in your head, you've got to switch between all these different tools and try to integrate them some, maybe somehow with either yourself or with software. Um, like say Zapier, if this, then that, and then you have, then you just have this mess, right? It's just, there's so much complexity. Yeah. So, uh, can, can you give me an, cause, uh, I, everybody's <clears throat> using email and a lot of companies use some kind of, uh, a project management, uh, you know, whatever software. So this is kind of new. So I'm just trying to make sure that everybody understands it. So does, does Dashcube replaces your, 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 your inbox pretty much, or does it become your inbox? Uh, no, not really. What Dashcube is trying to do is make your inbox sort of less full. Like basically, you're, you're, we're never, you're never going to get rid of email. Email, if, if you don't know me and you want to contact me, you have to email me, right? But say internally, we're working on Dashcube. The way we communicate inside our team shouldn't be by the same tool that you had to use to contact me, even though you don't know me. Like internally in Dashcube, if I want to talk to Len, I can just message him. If I want to talk about some task that, that someone's working on, I can just click on the task and talk there. Like every task, every become it has its own channel. It's like a Slack style channel, right? And so I can communicate internally inside a team in the context of the work. And so it's not we're not trying to be like, okay, we're going to kill email, right? What we're trying to say is email is a great tool for contacting people you don't know. But if you do know people intimately and work with them, and have all this context built up about all, about all the work you're doing and all the structure of your organization, 
you're throwing that all away when you email them, right? And so if you could actually communicate in a context, then that benefits other people. If I click on a task and talk to Len about it, and then one of my developers sees that, he can see, he or she can just talk right there. So just to give you a concrete example of this, um, one way I have of describing our process is that if you first create a task, let's call it, say, um, new, new corporate logo, um, no one, that's the first and last time anyone should have to write that subject line. Once you've created a communication channel as a task, then anyone who wants to talk about that piece of work should just go there and talk about it there. And then all the communicating about that task is integrated and captured, and that creates a context around it, as opposed to <coughs> splitting off into sort of a multiverse of unconnected places, um, which are all related to that task, but are just living in people's separate email inboxes and, and subfolders that they've created personally. Yeah, and everyone has to do all this work themselves, right? Like Gmail does a really good job of searching, right? This is why, I mean, do you use Gmail? Yeah, sure. Right. So use sure. Gmail. It's, it, it does its best, right? And it's given what it has to work with, it's amazing, right? Like it puts things in threads. It tries to figure out what's the context, right? But what Gmail doesn't know is what are you working on? Like how is your, what projects are you working on? Who is inside your team? Who's outside your team, right? It just inherently doesn't know that. Imagine if it did know all that, what it could do with context. Like, and then you, do you use labels in Gmail? Oh, yeah. Right. So you have your set of labels about something. Say we're working on a project and we're emailing each other a lot and you set up some labels and then I set up my own set of labels. And so you're mentally organizing things a certain way and I'm mentally organizing them a different way. What if we could arrive on some set of labels that we all wanted to share? Right. So like, for example, and so what we do is we have a thing called scales. And that sounds kind of complicated. What's that? It's basically just buckets. Right. So I can organize work into, say, later, sooner, ready, current, done. And then I can see all the work in appropriate buckets, or I could organize work into say bug feature chore, or I could organize work by business value, like, you know, high value to customers, low value, right. Or technical complexity or all these different ways to look at the same things. But if I go to the work of organizing it just for my own self and labels in Gmail, nobody else benefits. But if I do it in Dashcube in a way I organize things that way, then other people on the project benefit. So just to give you a clear, a clear image of how that might work, um, Let's say you and you and Peter are working on the same in the same or Peter and I are, are working for the same company and um, Peter's in charge of software development and I'm in charge of marketing. Um, I would have a scale which would be, let's say, even even by week. So I've got every week there's a certain sort of element of my strategy that I'm carrying out. And let's say, for example, that the del delivery of a certain feature like video chat is part of my plan for marketing for next week. So the video chat task would in my world be existing in a column for next week. Um, and it, but Peter doesn't care about things like that. He cares about whether something is a bug or a feature. So he would have all of his tasks in bug and feature columns. And what would happen is he would put the video chat task in the feature column for him. And I would put it in the next week column for myself, but it's the same task. So everyone in the company, who has anything to contribute to that project, to that task, will be communicating in that same task, which I can see in my categories and Peter can see in his categories, and we can actually surface that connection. And the interesting thing, too, not to go really too complex here, but um, right now we're talking about things like video chat as a task. Now, obviously, that's a pretty complicated task, right? But so what Dashcube does is lets, lets you create tasks inside tasks, and, you know, 
some of the competitors, competing tools in the market do that, and they always have different names for different things, like, say, epics and stories and tasks, or, like, tasks and subtasks. Um, for Dashcube, we realized that, you know, in, in, in a large organization, like in the enterprise, work is quite often nested inside other work, which is nested inside other work. And so being able to actually, for us, it's turtles all the way down. Like, you can create work and communicate there. If there's work that needs to happen inside that, like video chat's a complicated feature. You can create subtasks, subtasks, and subtasks, and they're all functioning like their own chat room, right? And so I can click on any given little thing and talk there. So say a developer makes some task way down the way nested inside video chat, and then he's talking with someone else. I, I'm not necessarily even looking at that, but since it's contained, that conversation bubbles up. And so if I click on anything higher up, I see all the conversation below. It's like I can pick any given level in the in the work and see all the conversation at that level. And so if you're coming at this as an executive and you like in a large organization, just trying to understand what's happening, what are people working on, right? What is my company doing today, right now, is really hard. And so we've created some amazing views, like one of our joking views, we call it InstaScrum, where you can just click at a glance and see all the people who's online right now, what are they working on and what did they last recently say with one click. And quite often you could visualize you'd have to have an hour-long stand-up meeting to get that. And that level of surfacing, what are people doing right now? So you can realize, oh, so-and-so should work on such and such. That's We're trying to just get that for free. So is is Dashcube only used internally? So uh, one of you, brought, I think Len brought up the example of a logo, creating a logo, working a logo. Correct. Now, you know, the internal team has to communicate about, about that whole process, but does the client ever get involved with with that process, and does Dashcube uh, facilitate that somehow? So it depends. Um, if you have clients you really trust, you can just invite them into your cube. Like, say, for example, you're a consulting company, and you have a client, and you're doing a client project. How much time do you spend, like, updating your client on the status, <laughs> right? I mean, that's almost like, like client management is all, it's some people's full-time job. Um, if you can have a really good relationship with the client and you can just invite them, you can set up a cube that just lets them see like just high level statusy type stuff, or you can just invite them right into the cube where you're doing the work. If you, if you feel that comfortable with them seeing what's going on under the covers. And then that way at a glance, they could see, they could just pick some high level to look at and just see status. And they could just, if they're interested, they could drill down if they want to, or if as a consultancy, you don't want to do that, you can just set up a separate cube. So, Basically, so you never want to show how the sausage is made, but well, you might want to show <laughs> some things about it. Well, when I, eat a, when I eat at a restaurant, some restaurants have the kit have, you know, if you have a restaurant, if you have a glass wall so you can see into the kitchen, then you're like, oh, it's really nice and clean in there and things are going well, right? Like if I go to, say, if I go to the food court and go to Chipotle, I can see everything's clean, right? And versus if I go to some diner and it's kind of dirty and I'm like, uh, I don't know, um, so sometimes it depends. If you if you want to invite people in and let them see and under the covers and see how see how the sausage is made and yes, it's a nice clean factory, just invite them in. But if you want to contain things, you can just invite them into a separate cube. But you can basically think of we keep saying cube, just think of a cube like either a project or a Dropbox folder. And so if you wanted, to, go ahead. So let's talk about adoption. When you when you talk to. Uh, can you give me an idea how many businesses uh, are using approximately uh, Dashcube today? So right now we've had more than a thousand signups. We're growing at about ten percent a week. And so, so about a thousand signups. So you know there are people that are using Dashcube already. So, yes. what what does it require? A culture change or 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 a change of of 
what kind of adjustment does it require of teams? Because they kind of have to think differently about about uh, the same things that they have been doing as a, as teams together. Yeah. So one one um, very straightforward adjustment would probably be that you would tell your team not to email each other about work anymore. Um, because again, if if there's a task that you're talking about, that task should be in Dashcube in the structure of all the work you're doing in your in your in your team. And so if there isn't a task for it already, create a new one and then start communicating in there about that task. And you can at mention people, which means they'll get a notification. They can with one click immediately be there. So the first the first culture change might be you're still going to be using email to communicate with people outside your organization, but inside our organization, we should if we, when we're talking about work, we should be communicating in this tool. And another thing to bring up is when culture change is happening, right? Like Glenn and I are in our late 30s. Um, lots of the people who work on Dashcube building it are in their early 20s. And <clears throat> trying to tell these these people, you know, oh, don't email each other about work. I mean, they don't want to email each other about work. <laughs> they, you know, they're the tool, they're millennials, right? The greatest thing about millennial entitlement for me is that they don't want to use bad tools. Like email is kind I, of old school for millennials. Like it's, like, right? it's like Microsoft Project, right? How many emails like you go out of university and be like, I want to work in a place where I have to do Gantt charts. I mean, I remember when I was in a co-op, I had to like estimate things in, in Microsoft Project, right? So my manager could figure out in you know, the Gantt chart, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, try to try, you know, it's a hot economy for software developers. Try telling a really talented JavaScript developer, yeah, you're going to spend part of your day in Microsoft Project. I mean, good luck with retention. So, so let's talk about. I mean, so, let's talk about you are you, you telling teams that you have to think, you know, you think about projects in a little bit different ways. So, how do they push back? What, what do you learn from them in in return? I mean, because they're talking about, you know, I mean, right. I don't want to talk about like the lean, you know, because everything is lean today. But, you know, they always <laughs> talk about the customer, right? And, and, and you know, talk to the customer, you know, build a, build a product based on what the customer tells you. So how much of that is a factor in building Dashcube? Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we, we, um, we believe in the customer development model, which means that, it, do, it doesn't mean, sometimes people mistake it to mean that you just do what your customers tell you to do. Um, uh, and I know that you weren't, you weren't implying that, but what the, the, the real force behind customer development is that you pay very careful and detailed attention um, at the beginning of a cycle to everything that your customers are saying to you and surfacing to you. You engage with them in depth um, in order to understand, and they might not even know it themselves, but in order to understand what their real problem is. And then you try and give them the best solution for that. So, I mean, okay, so to make this concrete, one of the interesting things about building a new product is you have to make sure you find the right initial customers, right? And that you're, that if you just sort of scattershot, try to target everyone and make everyone happy, you're not going to be happy, right? And so no one's going to love your product. You need to find like say a hundred people or a thousand people that love your product, you know, to get your, just to get your viral loop going and be, and have traction. And so for us, we're looking at, people at uh, getting people engaged with Dashcube who find the current tools are, are either so simplistic and lightweight that they have to manage everything with a bunch of them or in their head or via email, or we're looking for customers that um, are like devotees of either like the lean startup you know, type approach or else even like the other type of lean, right? Like when you talk about lean, um, you know, we were just at Kaizen camp last week in Seattle and 
um, you know, you have a room full of people that all are there because of agile and because of like lean, like, you know, like sort of production system style lean, you know, moving. And like literally for these people, the state of the art is stickies on a wall, on a wall, right? Like a whiteboard with columns and moving post-it notes around. And, <laughs> and that's literally a better tool. I know I'm not saying this in a negative way. These people are very, very intelligent, right? And you have extraordinarily intelligent software people moving sticky notes around. Because sticky notes and talking is a more collaborative way to, to, to collaborate than most of these tools right now. But now what if your team's distributed? Well, your sticky notes aren't, right? And so the experience you get being in a room of, of talented agile people with post-it notes, how do you do this in a large organization? How do you scale that? How do you do it in a way that, you know what, three months from now, if you're doing, say, every two weeks you do a retrospective, right? Well, wouldn't it be great to be able to watch a replay of exactly what happened during the project and see, oh, here's what we did. Here's what we can, here's what we did really well. Here's what we can learn from. Oh, maybe we should bring designers in earlier. Maybe we should tell project management to go talk to the client and, you know, like actually see the work happen, like watching game film. And that's why, for example, one of Dash Cube's like, like one of the things we put a lot of work into was, you know, re the replay feature was based, based on event sourcing and this temporal database we've created. Um, so you can answer, it can answer questions at any time about what was the state of the world now, right? So you can see a project evolve, see how you're thinking about the project evolves because the scales you're using get created at a certain point and then live for a while and then you stop using that scale. So you can literally, when you start a project, we watch a replay, we have, we built Dashcube using Dashcube, right? And so we, we can look at Dashcube and lo load the project up and see when we started it, what scale we were using and then how we evolved it and we made things too complicated and then we simplified things. And I can just see the evolution of the software development project right there. Just like watching like a replay of say a football game or say of a StarCraft game. So, so let's talk about uh, differentiating yourself from the com competition. How much of a challenge is that as you try to get companies to, to adopt Dashcube? So one thing I really loved was when we were um, at launch conference, one of the journalists we talked to wrote, described us in, a, in an article as sort of the love child of Slack and HipChat, or of, uh, was it Trello and HipChat or Slack? Trello and Slack, um, or Basecamp and HipChat. So basically, to differentiate us, what we, what we found is that um, we think that the tools that are out there, like Slack, Trello, Asana, Basecamp, these are all great tools of what they're doing. But they're not trying. They're not ambitious enough. Like they're trying to solve one half of the problem, right? Either here's where we're going to plan stuff, or here's where we're going to talk, right? Like Slack's a real, Slack is a really great uh, IRC in a browser thing, right? It's awesome for for chatting. But you know you need more than that. And so basically, the way we're differentiating ourselves is by saying Slack, Trello, Atana, Basecamp, are they're all sort of solving part of the problem and relying on you to sort of integrate them with other things and solve the problem yourself. And that's, that makes sense to do, right? It's, it's building software is really hard. And so constraining the problem as much as possible is a, the sensible thing to do, right? Because shipping anything is hard. And so shipping something that's really ambitious is really, really hard. Um, but we're saying, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're this, you make the, the average person just deal with all these different tools they have to use just to solve their problem. And so we're trying to approach the idea of let's actually solve their problem for them of communicating in context about work. And so then, well, if you're going to do that, what do you need? Well, you need to have the work in there. Like, what are the what, what are you working on? You need to communicate, right? But context is also temporal context about what did you do, where did, how did we get here, 
and that's why we built Replay. And so for differentiation, how many other project products in the market have Replay? Zero, right? How many other products in the market try to be like, we're differentiated by our ambition, I think. We're just a more ambitious product. Okay. Um, can you talk about your revenue model as it is today? Uh, just, yeah, just so right now we're in a free public beta. So right now we have no revenue because we're free beta. Um, How did you make the decision to have a free beta as opposed to charging people from day one? Well, right now we're just trying to grow user base and get feedback. Like we, we're iterating really quickly and, um, you know, there's some still some rough edges, like, you know, in our iOS and our Android apps say there's rough edges in our web app. We're moving things around. So right now the beta is free. We're going to be launching and charging money um, Q4 and it's just this SaaS model. So like plans will be, there will, there will be a free plan for just really, really limited personal dash cube use. But basically for revenue, it's going to be like, you know, $9 a month for the, the plan that most people will be using, I think. And we'll have other enterprise plans with like really complex features for like $19, $29 a month. Like, so yeah, just pure SaaS model. And one other thing we found in doing customer development is some people we've talked to said, well, yeah, I love this, but I need to, I need this inside my organization. And so they, they can't use the cloud version because they just don't feel comfortable putting their data there. And so we're going to be launching um, probably in Q1 of next year, the enterprise version, that the, the version that you can run inside your firewall. And that will be a more complicated pricing. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask, uh, who is your customer? And I'm glad you brought up the enterprise version. Is it is it small business? Is it enterprise? What are you focusing on now? So right, right at currently we're focusing on small business and early adopter users. So that's going to be people primarily who are searching around for new tools to use. And that can be a couple of categories of people. Um, one category of person like that is one who's genuinely having a problem or who's even been tasked with going out and finding a solution. And another is just someone who, who is into productivity and into planning and into communication and likes to try everything that comes out. Like um, if you read Lifehacker. Someone who yeah. reads, say, Lifehacker or Hacker. There's a, there's a website called Lifehacker um, that product people who are into productivity read. Um, and, uh, yeah, people like that would discover tools like this. So what that's going to be is that's going to be people who are probably pretty independent or working on small teams, whether they're um, companies like themselves or small teams within large companies where they have a lot of independence. So right now it's probably people who feel like they have a lot of independence and the power to bring a tool into their company or into their team. Um, and that's our focus for now because those are exactly the kind of people Peter was talking about before who are going to give you the best feedback and people who are like suffering the most and most desperate for a solution. Once we've interacted with those people for a fair amount of time in our beta, then we're going to shift our focus to um, both covering small business and to covering enterprise. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, it's, it's such a, sorry to interrupt, but it's such a different sales model too, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, enterprise, you actually need a sales force, you exactly. know, uh, and it's a long, long cycle as well. It's yes. so different. So, you know, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's the reason I ask. Here. It almost is a different organization, uh, you know, to sell to enterprise customers. No, exactly. And so, so basically, I mean, the funny thing about it is that's why we're not starting there, right? I mean, like, you don't want to try to start something like this and just, you know, bootstrap an enterprise sales force from, like, you know, grow that from an unproven product, right? It's a lot easier to do enterprise sales if you have, you know, a whole category of people that just love Dashcube already, right? So... We want to start by targeting early adopter types that really want to try new tools. And think about think about it this way. Slack and Trello have both had a great 
success growing, right? And, and the reason why, besides their famous founders, is that people are fundamentally unhappy with the current state of the, state of the marketplace right now in terms of these tools. Like, people are not having their problems solved. Instead, you just have more problems and more tools and more communication and more email, and is it ever going to end, right? And so um, if you're empowered enough that you can start using, say, a Slack or a Trello or an Asana, try it out and start using it and bring it into your team and then have your team use it, or else if you're a small team and you're trying to pick a tool, these are the types of people we want to reach out to first, right? Because for this, you just build the thing, put it up on the web and try to get PR and drive users and, you know, do marketing and get, get the early adoption that way, right? Versus having to go in and do enterprise sales. But if we're successful helping small teams be more productive, then over time, Dash Cube, like basically one thing we haven't talked about at all about, about right now is cube nesting, right? Like um, right now you can think of a Dash Cube cube like a Dropbox folder. And so that's where you collaborate. But if you visualize the Dropbox folder, oh, you know, eventually like there's going to be so much stuff in it, you want to make another Dropbox folder and, you know, et cetera. So that's why you end up with a bunch of cubes. But large organizations like the enterprise will probably want to nest these things so they can do like centralized like permissions and, you know, all your stuff that enterprises want to do. We're not building that first. We're building the simple Dash Cube targeted at small teams first. And then that kind of stuff goes on. It's like, for example, GitHub, right? Like GitHub started as like, hey, open source people use GitHub or Ruby and Rails people way back in the day use GitHub. And then now it's like GitHub and GitHub for the enterprise. And Yeah, make, makes sense to me. Let's talk about your marketing strategy. What, you know, you have about a thousand uh, uh, users right now. How are you getting those users? What, what is working for you right now? So right now, um, we're, we're being pretty lean in our, in our marketing and we're being very focused. Um, we are using both Facebook and Twitter ads. Um, and, and we're iterating, and it's, it's actually quite a lot of fun um, to try and broaden and narrow the scope and see what works best. And one thing that we're finding right now is that um, narrowing, and just to be very specific about it, um, the early adopter types that we want um, to, to reach in the United States are mostly in California, and we've, we've actually sort of tailored the content and the location where um, uh, the user is when our ad shows up on Twitter to bury precisely to the specific places where we believe our early adopters are, like San Francisco. And also, besides the specifics around Twitter and Facebook, just like um, talking at, you know, doing things like talking at conferences, like, you know, we just went to Kaizen Camp. We're going to be going to a thing called the Future of Work in, in England in November. Um, just talking to people, like, you know, and like just getting in front of potential mm -hmm. customers, right? What about word of mouth? Does it? Do you measure that at all? Does it have... Yeah, internally, I mean, we use, like, you know, the standard sort of tools to track user growth. I mean, but this, yeah. these are really early days, so I don't, I don't want to be, like, talking, like, net promoter score and, like, viral coefficients mm -hmm. and whatnot right now. Mm -hmm. So it's it's uh, Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, uh, going to events, speaking at events. Correct. Exactly. We, we also actually, one important piece of that as well is a blog where we write in-depth articles, not, not just about our product, but also about our ideas um, for the future of work and for distributed teams. Okay, let's so let's talk about. So far, it sounds like things are going really well, but I'm sure there are challenges. So, uh, what are the greatest challenges you're facing now? Well, you know, in 2014. Hmm. Uh, number one is just attention. Like we just, you know, if if I previously co-founded Flickr, I would, you know, or I I was like say Mark Zuckerberg's roommate, I wouldn't have. I'd, I'd be starting on third base, thinking I'd hit a triple. Um, we're not there. 
So, you know, neither of us are famous. Uh, so just getting people to notice is the, the hardest problem, as any startup founder will tell you. Um, technically, like, so we, uh, we've overcome a lot of our problems. Um, previously, we'd been building versions of this on other JavaScript frameworks, and we've recently started, um, you know, we just the beginning of this year, we rewrote the thing in React, which is an amazing JavaScript framework. And so that's like our performance, you know, has just gotten so much better. Like what we have right now is usable compared to what we had, you know, in January was not usable. Um, but we still have a way to go there, like in terms of horizontal scalability and in terms of, uh, you know, just some of the stuff in, internally, like just building the app. But I think the biggest problem is attention. There's also um, a, a sort of, in a way, a fun problem is uh, we've got a lot of um, very energetic and creative developers, and we're all, as you can probably tell from this interview, we're, we're kind of argumentative and opinionated, <laughs> um, and um, everybody is, and we love that. Um, and so actually just choosing what, what to prioritize, because we just have so many ideas and there's so many things in the pipeline, is actually a genuine, a genuine challenge and, and, a good, and a good one to have. So what's the size of your team right now? Just over 10 people. So it's a small team, obviously. How do you decide what to focus on to get the best bang of your time? Because that's the one thing you can replace. Correct. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, customer feedback and like just using the product day in and day out every day, right? Like, you know, customer feedback and then our own feedback about what, like where the product needs to go. How does it, how can it be simpler? How can the onboarding experience be better, right? Like um, just, just basically just being paying close attention, right? Like we're, we have a pretty strong vision for the long term of Dashcube, um, but it's a very expansive vision, right? So you have to come up with what's a coherent product that you can actually bring to market and charge money and you know deliver value to people before you try to do everything. So we're, um, yeah, just basically just just listening to customers and then also our own usage of the product. So what what are your goals for the next twelve months? What are the uh, the, the the KPIs you, you that you want to see? So you you know you're you're going the right direction. Um, one one specific one is we want to see people um, using it. And this is very specific thing advice that we got from a, a a VC in Silicon Valley, which was you want to have people using using your product for more than two weeks and inviting numerous other people in. And that that two week threshold is is um, the point at which you know that someone is actually. It, pretty much switched to your product and that it's good enough for their purposes yeah. to use for the work that they're doing to make a living. But, and yeah, so that's, that's a really important threshold. And then, and then you want to see more and more teams and you want to see those teams growing in size. Yeah. And basically just like the product needs to be really viral, right? We need to build it. If, if someone uses it, we want to build it. Has he, like if we want to build a track from this sign up, we got this many users, right? Like from that sign up, we got this many users and see like, this engagement of the product, right? In terms of, um, yeah, but those are all sort of like, those are all sort of like company growth and product growth goals. In terms of roadmap for the product, basically, like in general terms, um, we just want to be a way where you can understand what's happening in your organization and in specifically in your in your project work and communicate with the right people and just have people using Dashcube as the way they do that, like. Um, yeah, and everything we're doing is focused on that. I mean, the, the, I, you know, we could go into specific features and stuff, but just not, but just staying at a higher level, we want to basically like let people actually understand 
how the team is functioning and be able to communicate with, with people in a way that benefits the whole team. So is there a question that I haven't asked that I should have asked about Dashcube? Hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that was pretty comprehensive, and those were great questions. Sounds good. Well, uh, uh, Lan, Peter, thank you very much for coming on Success Harbor. How can people find out more about Dashcube or, or the two of you or the three of you founders? Um, you can go to dashcube.com or you can go to blog.dashcube.com. Or on Twitter, we're at, we're at Dashcube app. Yeah, and we're, we're um, friendly and we like to communicate with people, so you can, you can reach out to us any way yeah. you like. And he's Len at dashcube.com and I'm Peter at dashcube.com. Sounds good. So everybody, Len, Peter, and Chris, they're all friendly guys. Reach out <laughs> to them at Dashcube. Check out dashcube.com. Thank you, guys, and wish you much luck. Hopefully you can come back next year and tell us how successful you are. Great. Thanks thank you very much. much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Bye, everybody.